But the Rams haven't been the biggest disappointment in the NFL this year. It's been Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford. Like, everyone wanted to give him every possible excuse out there, saying he was on the Detroit Lions and it's a bad organization and they can't win. He has everything set up for him to succeed. And what does he do? He plays like a Detroit Lion quarterback. He can't do anything about it. And listen, when I picked the Rams to make it to the NFC Championship this season, I picked them to make it there despite Matthew Stafford. Same way they got to the Super Bowl despite Jared Goff. You can take the guy out of Detroit, but you can't take the Detroit out of the guy. I agree. Welcome back to another episode of No Interruptions with your host, I'm Bars. I'm Jabro. And I'm Bilal Darwish, the winner of No Interruptions Games of the Week, Season 1. By the way, who predicted that Showtime is back and the greatest show on turf is back in L.A.? Oh, and that soundbite sounds very familiar. Bars, care to tell the viewers and the listeners who that, sandbo- who that soundbite was brought to you by? Listen, all year I told you that the Rams were set up to win, that they were the most complete team in football. And when Matthew Stafford was struggling early on, I wasn't going to give him the benefit of the doubt. Because like I mentioned, like you heard in the soundbite, he was in the perfect situation. He had a good run game, great weapons on offense. And oh, by the way, that was before they added Odell Beckham. That was before they added Von Miller to that defense. So just all around. No, I believe Odell's already on the team. And you said later in the show, oh, and Matthew Stafford has two of the greatest uh, targets without Robert Woods. So is that before Von Miller then? Von Miller was on the team as well. Okay, but the point is, Like, we saw the Rams make a bunch of moves throughout the year to go all in on winning a Super Bowl this year. And I did have them losing in the NFC Championship. And had Tom Brady, who he beat twice. And had Tampa Bay been healthy and their offensive line been healthy, I think the Buccaneers would have won won that game and won on to the Super Bowl. A lot of hearsay. I mean, everybody gets injured. But let's get to the point. The Rams did make it to the Super Bowl, okay? And in the last episode, I mentioned that the biggest factor in this game was going to be the pass rush for the LA Rams and how the Cincinnati Bengals... Which I've been telling you the whole entire year. And how the Bengals O-line was going to handle it. And I said it was going to be a long day in the office for Joe Burrow. He was sacked seven times in the Super Bowl. Oh, and by the way, played with a sprained MCL at the end of the game. Up until that point, the Bengals had control of that game. They had all the momentum. Stafford, who you're so high on, threw two interceptions in the Super Bowl. They didn't win that game because of Matthew Stafford. I'm not saying he played a bad game, but he did turn it over twice. And the main reason they won that game was because of that defense. Aaron Donald getting out, putting pressure on Joe Burrow. Seven sacks, like I mentioned, for that defense. And then Cooper Cup just playing out of this world. Odell Beckham was lighting it up. You guys said... Um, on the last episode that the Rams didn't have better weapons than the Cincinnati Bengals. But let me just tell you this. The LA Rams, their wide receivers have the highest open percentage in the NFL. That's regular season and playoffs. Cooper Cup led the league, and then in the playoffs, their wide receivers were more open than anyone else. Despite all of this, Joe Burrow kept him in the game because he is that guy. And I think if he doesn't go down, they hold on and they win that game. But the pressure finally started getting to him more after that knee injury, and that's really what ultimately hurt them. I just want to start off by saying that was an amazing game that we watched. From start to finish, it kept you on, on your toes. I mean, it was a great game all around. Both defenses were playing well, getting pressure on the quarterback and you know making turnovers, making things happen. 
unfortunately, Bro got hurt and obviously played with the MCL. But I mean, that's just the way. That's just the way it is. I mean, that's the way the game goes. And, and up until that point, the Bengals were in control of that game. They were, but the Rams turned it up on the pass rush. You know, Aaron Donald became the leader that he needed to be, and he stepped up in the biggest time of the year. But Stafford also came down, had a nice clutch drive at the end of the game, and he won the game. Kudos to Stafford. I'm happy he got one. He's been in misery in Detroit for a long time. And, you know, it's, he's back. And he's, you know, he did a great job. He did. And listen, um, I'm going to give credit to Stafford because he did come out on that drive. And with Cooper Cup just completely ripping through that defense, they got down the field and scored a touchdown when they needed it. <clears throat> so he did come up clutch there at the end. But I, I do want to mention so you're this. You're a believer in Matt Stafford now? No, he he made he made plays down the stretch when they needed it. But like that's I mentioned, yeah, I'm a quarterback. But when Joe Burrow went down, I think that's really that was really the momentum shift in the game. You felt it, like he just wasn't the same after that. He wasn't moving the same. He wasn't avoiding the pressure, and that's what the defense started getting to him, and it gave the offense enough chances so, to to come back and uh, take a lead. See now how I love how you're using the injury of. Joe Burrow to kind of disparage hold, Matthew Stafford's performance. On. But you had no problem when Tom Brady beat Patrick Mahomes when literally the third-string offensive line was blocking for Patrick Mahomes last year. I want to get to my point. So what's the difference? I want to get to my point. So like I mentioned, I am happy for Stafford and guys like Odell Beckham, um, Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey. They deserved it, okay? Th- these guys were hungry. They played exceptional all year long, and they came out on top at the end. But I, I do, like, I feel the need to mention this because this is important, and we... I haven't heard you talk about this, and we just haven't talked about it enough. The pass interference call on the Cincinnati Bengals, which would have, if that penalty was not called, would have been a fourth and goal for the LA Rams. I mean, the officials were letting them play all game. And then in the biggest, most crucial moment of the game, you're going to call one of the weakest pass interference calls I have ever seen in my life. I mean, that was textbook defense right there by that linebacker. He made a play on the ball, broke up the pass, and then a flag is thrown, and all of a sudden it's first and goal right by the end zone. I mean, that, that was just a terrible call. If it's a fourth and goal, the Bengals probably get a stop and the game's over. I mean, look, there was a lot of missed calls in there. You had the... Uh... The 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 Higgins one that shouldn't that should have been a holding. You had the the other Higgins one where he grabbed Ramsey's face mask. Yeah, to me to me it looked like he was making a play on the ball. He and then Jalen Ramsey was facing the the receiver. Still can't grab and, the face mask. But when no the receiver's what. coming back to make a play on the ball and the and the defender the DB isn't looking to make a play on the ball and he's just face guarding the receiver, you're not gonna get a call on that. But like I mentioned, they were letting him play all game. And then matter. in the biggest There's, moment... We know the that you moment, can't grab the face mask. At the end of the day, you can't grab the so face mask. Do you, do you think a pass interference should have been called in that play, on that play? No, but there also should have been a pass interference called on the Ramsey play. All right. I got I to gotta say something and else. And there should have been a holding in the beginning of the game on Ramsey. That, that, was, that wasn't, that wasn't the NFL. only call. There's, missed, Bro, there's missed calls that's, everywhere. That's what happens in sports. It happens every single sport. And you have no problem with it when it goes in your favor, Bars. So it just it happens. This time you went against you. Now you want to complain about it. Just right. say, that's it. They and lost. Then, just admit it. And then let me speak on one thing. Okay. I've also been a critic on Matthew Stafford this year. Not because I doubt his talent. It's just not easy to be going from a losing culture all the time to all of a sudden going straight to a Super Bowl. My thought was maybe this year that they don't win the Super Bowl and next year they come out stronger. But I have to give a lot of kudos. I mean, that team stayed, stayed composed and they won with Stafford. Stafford didn't try to do too much. He knew his role. He played his role and he did a good job at it. 
So I'm going to give my kudos to Matt Stafford. I haven't been the biggest believer in him this year. I knew he was a great quarterback. I just didn't know if he had enough to beat the Rodgers, the Mahomes, the the Bradys, you know. And he proved me wrong. And uh, kudos to him. So so we had we had the we had the offensive. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, the defensive uh, pass interference call. And then I want to mention this too. On the last play of the game, when Aaron Donald hits Joe Burrow and he tries to get rid of it. That last play of the game on fourth down, on fourth and one, Aaron Donald was lined up offsides. Actually, they proved that that was a play from earlier in the game. The, the one that they showed, the graphic they showed was not that play. It was a play earlier in the game. All right, so wh- whatever whatever the case is, um, the Cincinnati Bengals need to fix their offensive line because Joe Burrow was sacked 70 times this season. 70 times. And had he had just maybe half a second, half a second extra, he had what Jamar do they call Chase. football? He what do they call football? He had the Jamar Chase. They call football the game, the game of, inches. of inches. Okay, and that that's exactly how it comes down to. It, it, it happened. You can't say what ifs. What if didn't happen? It you happened. know what? That just reminded me. The pass interference call on that DB. There was actually a false start on the right tackle of the LA Rams. There was a false start on that call. They missed a false start, and then they call it pass interference. A false start would have backed him up. It would have been. A third and goal from around the 13, 15-yard line. If they don't call the, the pass interference, it's a fourth and goal. So I'm just saying you have two big calls right there. And then on top of that... All right, I want to tell the no interruptions viewer. This is Barr's can, way can of saying stop? that the show, the show I is was called wrong. No interruptions. The show is called No Interruptions, and I will not be interrupted. All right? Let me finish my point. Bottom line, the Bengals need to fix their offensive line. Because Joe Burrow, yes, I agree he, with that he statement. really lit it up this year. And had he had just a half a second, he had Jamar Chase wide open. Down but he field. didn't have the half that, a second. That would have iced the game. But we've always been saying that's that's been their biggest problem is their offensive line. We all knew that coming into the year. They drafted Jamar Chase instead of an offensive lineman. So it's not nothing new. It's something that we knew coming into the season. And Joe and Joe Burrow, and you got to give him credit for it because he was able to avoid pressure and make plays out of nothing, find something when it wasn't there, and yes, just keep, keep making plays. But Joe at the Burrow, end of the day, once he sprays his MCL – you can't you can't ask him to do that. I was the biggest believer out of all of us in Joe Burrow this year. I agree with that. But yeah, you told me the Bengals wouldn't win a playoff game. But I did tell you they were going to go to the playoffs, which you said they weren't going to go to the and, playoffs. And I and I said I said they were going to make it. It's very easy to say something's going to happen once it I'm already just saying, happens. Don't sit here and act like all your predictions you didn't even have make been a right. Prediction about the Bengals, bro. At least I had the guts and the fortitude to actually make a prediction about the Bengals. All you say, I don't know. Anything can happen. They're the hottest team. But that's that's not true. You could go back and look at it. But I said the Cincinnati Bengals were going to make it. See, now we're run. getting off. T- we're going on tangents. We're not here to talk about you know what did we say? What did Joe Burrow do? I'm not. Yes, Joe Burrow is an excellent talent. We're here to talk about the Los Angeles Rams to congratulate them. And I mean, all you've I've talked about tra- all you've tra- talked about is Stafford. You haven't even mentioned anyone else on that team. Well, you You're acting like you Stafford carried them. You haven't gave me a chance to even talk. I even talked the whole entire show. Yeah. Hey, yeah, go bro. ahead. I think this has been more of the Bars <laughs> justifying himself show. Yeah, like I think this is like, you know, Bars not admitting that he was wrong about Matthew Stafford and the Los right, go ahead. Rams. Go ahead, let's hear it. Tell me how Stafford carried the Rams to the, to the promised land. So I've been saying the whole entire show that Matthew Stafford is an excellent talent. He just needs to be put in the right situation. He was playing for the most miserable franchise, maybe behind the Cleveland Browns, uh, the New York Jets. You can argue that the Detroit Lions are worse franchises than those two franchises I previously mentioned. 12 seasons, and who can do something with that team? That team is atrocious. And the one year, the one year, the, a year of a sample size of one, 
He goes, not does he just not only does he go to the playoffs, not only does he beat Tom Brady twice, one of those times being in the playoffs, not only does he go to the Super Bowl, he wins the Super Bowl. And it was no easy feat. He had the best team in football. He had to go him. against the Arizona Cardinals, who did have a meltdown. However, they were an excellent team, and they were contending for the first round bye. Then he goes up to Tampa Bay. Against a depleted Goat. Buccaneers team. He goes to at Goat, and he beats Tom Brady not once, but twice. And the first time around, he had a healthy team, and he still beat them. I forgot football keep, was a one-on-one game. Keep going. Keep, let's keep going forward. He goes to the Super Bowl. And he's down. Two minutes left. He scores in clutch time. and says, here, Joe Burrow, make something happen. And granted, you could say, you know, he had an MCL injury, whatever. Uh, I'm not disparaging Joe Burrow. He's an excellent talent. But, you know, fortunately for... The, the Rams, fortunately for the Rams' sake, you know, Joe Burrow didn't make it happen. Aaron Donald, that dude, probably one of the best defensive players of all time, got there. And if Jamar Chase was open deep, you know, that's why you, get, that's why you pay uh, pass rushers a lot of money to make sure they don't find their receivers deep, especially in those crucial situations. And I want to keep going. You're saying, like, Matthew Stafford had two interceptions. He didn't do so good. The guy, did one, the, the guy went 26 for 40 for 283 yards, three touchdown passes. And two interceptions. And yes, okay, he had two interceptions. But I don't have a problem with, with the first one. Because first time, the first interception, it was third and 14. He took a shot down deep. And the guy intercepted it in the end zone. What's the difference between that and a punt? Absolutely nothing. And then the second one, remember that Scleronic guy or whatever job we were talking about? When he dropped that pass deep in the, against the he 49ers. He did not drop the pass. And I've always had, I'm like, this, who is this Scleronic guy? And again, it goes off Scleronic's hands. And... It's an interception. Okay, Goes whatever. off his finger. It's an interception, whatever. But at the end of the day, who cares? Because he's a Super Bowl champion. And let's go over. Matthew Stafford has an excellent season the whole entire year. I said, Matthew Stafford needs to put in the right situation. And the first, the first season is in the right situation. He wins a Super Bowl. He throws for 4,886 yards, 41 TDs, 17 interceptions. 41 TDs, 17 interceptions, bars. 102.9 passer rating. Now, am I saying that Matthew Stafford did it all on his own? No. But what quarterback does it all on its own? We've Aaron Rodgers had had all the help in the world, and he's an elite talent, and he still hasn't won since his first time he's won a Super Bowl. You're going to tell me Tom Brady, throughout his illustrious career, he's won all on his own? No. It's a game. It's football. It's 11 on 11. 22 men that are starting on a football team. You have special teams, offense, and defense. It needs to be a well-oiled machine, and everybody has to um, cut, has to contribute to the team in their respective ways. And if one if one side of the ball falls, there's not there's not much you can do. You saw Patrick Mahomes last year in the Super Bowl. If the offensive line is not blocking for him, how's he going to pass to his receivers? Everything has to be going well. Yes, Stafford had a great defense. That's what I've been saying all all year long. And when they weren't, when they had that slump, that defense wasn't playing how they were playing last year. And I'm saying they had a lot to contribute to their their slump. But however, throughout the season, they picked it up and they looked like that defense that we saw last year. And again, there was a lot of controversy. He had uh, his um, his uh, Higby, his his uh, tight end went down. He had Robert Woods go down. They did get OBJ. He came in, and they had to kind of 
they, they had to incorporate him into the offense, which is not, it's not easy to incorporate somebody in the offense midseason. And not only that, OBJ went down at halftime. Shout out Sean McVay then. He went out at halftime and he still made it happen. Shout and out yeah, Sean and McVay. shout out to Sean McVay. You know why? Because he dropped his ego. He dropped his, you know, his guru, I'm smarter than everybody mentality. He says, we're going to go back to the bread and butter. We're gonna do some. We're gonna run the ball. We're gonna feed Cam Akers when he comes back. We're gonna feed Sony Michelle. We're gonna do the play action. We're not just gonna do these deep passes, these fancy trick plays. It's third and one. It's fourth and one. We're gonna run it down your throat. That's how you play football. And shout out to Sean McVay. He did what I said he wasn't doing, and he finally did do it. He stopped. Like, he stopped doing the Matt Nagy uh, play calling, and he finally did the the football play calling. Beat them. I have the better team. We're going to play some football. Speaking of Matt Nagy, and yeah. I mean, if we're playing sound bites, why don't you go back to that episode and play the sound bite where you said Sean McVay was going to be on the hot seat or going to be fired in four years, and within four years, we're going to be looking at Sean McVay the same way we look at Matt Nagy if we're playing sound bites. I'm just saying. The Cincinnati Bengals were held to 20 points. 20 points. That's one of the most, one of the highest scoring offenses in the league. One of the, they have one of the most. Or I just have one, I have one question. I have one question, Go ahead. Who picked the Los Angeles Rams to win the Super Bowl? On this, on no interruptions. Why, don't, why don't you tell me? You don't know? Oh, tell me. You already forgot? I did. Bilal Darwish. Yeah, you said That's it, all I gotta you say. Said it about fifty times. On I said on the greatest show on turf. It's, I don't have to say anymore. I was right. You were wrong. That's it. When you hold, when you hold the Bengals. Where's Josh Allen at? He wasn't. He wasn't in the Super Bowl. I think he was watching it the same way. The same way you were. The same way Patrick Mahomes is watching it too. I didn't say Patrick Mahomes was going to win the Super Bowl, did I? I'm pretty sure one episode you said Mac Jones was going to win the Super Bowl. What happened there? I uh, never said Mac Jones. If you could find where I said Mac Jones is winning the Super Bowl over the Rams, I will say yes. I'm gonna find it. We're gonna play it this song, but okay. how about that? Go ahead. I think we're forgetting to congratulate one more group of people: Detroit Lion fans, guys. They did it. They won a Super Bowl. Matthew Stafford, he's a Detroit Lion, isn't he? That is the closest thing. That's the closest the Detroit Lions will ever get to the Super Bowl. Eminem was at the Super Bowl. Matthew Stafford was there. Detroit so was showing up. It's a win. It's a win for Detroit. The De- it's the Detroit effect. I'm pretty sure Detroit fans were just as happy as if their team won the Super Bowl because I know they got a lot of love for Stafford over there. But, yeah, bars. it's a lot of hearsay when you say this happened, that happened. I mean, it's just the way the NFL look, goes. Look, look. It's I, the NFL, man. It's the NFL. All right. Things happen. You, you got to adjust adversity. Listen. You're going to have guys go down. You're going to have guys step up. And that's just how it is. Look, they love. Why could you just say you were wrong, Bart? Like, it, you were wrong. And I was right. Just say it. It happens. We're all humans. We, we're wrong or we're right sometimes. And the Rams <laughs> lost their safeties before the playoffs. They went yeah, out and they Eric signed Eric Weddle. Weddle. Eric Weddle got signed right before the playoffs started. And congrats to him. He won a Super Bowl, you know? Great player. And he came back and he won a Super Bowl. He played great for them, too. <laughs> Exactly, but he came off the streets. Look, all year I said the Rams were the best team in football all around. And I had them in the NFC Championship. Yeah, you they didn't did. have them winning the Super Bowl, though. I didn't. Had, had, had they were the, the best team all around. Why didn't they win the Super Bowl? Why didn't you have them winning the Super can, Bowl? Can I talk? Yeah, talk. Why didn't you have them winning the Super Bowl if they're the best team all around? Because I didn't think Stafford could get it done. Well, did Stafford get it done? No. Oh, the he de- didn't get it done. So he lost. The defense of Cooper Cup got it done. Okay. Look. Who throws the Cooper Cup? Listen, the Bengals score 20 points. When you hold one of the best teams in offense to 20 points, I mean, you have a good chance of winning the game. 
Honestly, honestly, don't care who who wins the Super Bowl if it's not the Chicago Bears. I don't really care. Like you care. I, I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan of either one of these teams. But don't sit here and act like Matthew Stafford is an elite quarterback that led them to the Super. Wait, wait. I said Matthew Stafford is an elite quarterback. Is I he? I have amnesia. Maybe I said no, that. No, he's a good quarterback. Did I say he's an elite quarterback? No, he's just a good quarterback. Did I say he's in Tom Brady's uh, stratosphere? When, when you when you say, say in Aaron one Rogers. when you say in one year in one year you put him in a good situation, he was in the most perfect situation I'm possible. I'm so confused. They had an all around team, so give credit still, to the he team. Still That's what has I'm saying. To show up is what he said. That's what I'm saying. Bro, I need some Tylenol right now because Bards are giving me a headache. I got some downstairs. Oh my god. <laughs> Anyways, at the end of the day, you can't discredit the man. He won a Super Bowl. That's I'm not. It. I'm not. And I and if you go back and you're lying. I said I'm giving credit to Matthew Stafford. But you're kind of like you're kind of like trying to make points like it's not him. I am. I am. I am making points that if the refs call that false start, it doesn't. The same. The same play they call pass interference, then they don't score a touchdown on that drive, and they probably don't win the game. The refs miss a lot, and actually. I just want to talk about something. But that's a, that's listen, a listen, big, listen. that's a huge part of the game. That's a crucial part of the Which game. Is you can't why be missing calls there was here. something that was interesting to me that happened this, I think yesterday or the day before, with the NFL and the XFL signing an agreement where the XFL is going to try stuff out for the NFL, whereas they're going to try new equipment, they're going to try new rules, and they're going to try out things like the sky judge. So like you get, if they see anything, they can talk to the officials and be like, hey, this happened, call it. They need I a think, sky judge. That's something you don't even need to try out. You just incorporate it. But you guys remember when the Rams played the Saints in the playoffs and there was that bang-bang call and they missed a pass interference and the Rams went on to win and go to the Super Bowl? I didn't hear any talk about, oh, Jared Goff did all this and Jared Goff was great and he led them there and he got it done. He got the job done. He took them in the Super Bowl. All I heard was about... All talk, all week, the, the one thing everyone was talking about was that missed pass interference call. So what I'm saying right now in this situation is you can't ignore the fact that there was a BS pass interference call and, a, and then you missed a false start. Though That right there, those two calls... But the difference is the Saints didn't have a chance after that. The Bengals still had a chance to come back and try to drive down the with field. The, with the quarterback that had a sprained MCL. Okay, well, he had a sprained MCL the whole second half. It's just the way football goes. It just is what it is. And that's why I'm saying the sky judge thing, the trying out everything in the XFL, it's, it's actually something that's very interesting because now they could test things out before they bring it into the NFL. New rules... I mean, if they want to implement something like catching rules or or just like special teams or anything, it's all going to get tried out in the XFL, and it's going to be like a little a little like uh, side thing that the NFL, like a little dummy experiment for them, which is like, I mean, honestly, something great. It's a progression to fix things that have been broken in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, it's not a bad idea, Jabra. Uh, in a league as lucrative or as, a, as an organization as lucrative as the National Football League, you got to always improve and to give the best content to the consumers. And if this means we can have better quality football and less mistakes, which is going to happen, you're always going to have human error in all sports, NBA, NFL, MLB, whatever it may be. It's just part of it, and it's going to happen, and you got to deal with it. But you know, if, if there's any way that we can minimize it, hopefully you know, this idea does that. <clears throat> Yeah, bars. Maybe you won't be as upset as if they have a sky judge in the next year or two, and you know they're not missing calls. They should. They should, because referees should not be able to affect a game of that magnitude. But I think that's enough football. Yeah, but you also got to remember, refs are human. They're gonna miss stuff. And you have no idea. You have no, yeah, bro. That that you know false start. The missed bars false start has, call was a blatant false start. Bars, bars has so obvious. no problem. Let me, let me bars has no problem. 
One, one refs miss calls and it's in his favor. But when it's not in his favor, oh my god, the world is falling. Like the sky is falling, the world's about to end. I'm not I'm not a fan of either of like, these two teams. I want to Why are you hating on Matthew Stafford? I'm not so hating much. on Stafford. I'm not even like, talking you're still about Stafford. Hate on the right man. Now. No man won a I'm Super not even Bowl. talking about Stafford right now. Right, I'm just right, saying right, that false right. start miss false start call was so That's clear. enough bars. That's enough with so the clear. ranking. Go back and look it at it. The right the right tackle jumped off a Super Bowl champions. Let's move on. To something different. Let's move on to some NBA talk. So, it's the 75th anniversary of the NBA. And I want to ask you guys, did, did they get it right? Do you agree with the top five in the top, in the top 75? I agree with the top one, and that's Michael Jeffrey Jordan. That man is a GOAT. You saw the aura when he walked into the stadium. By the way, this was in Cleveland, and he got a bigger applause than LeBron James in his hometown. He got a standing ovation, the loudest cheers of the night for Michael Jordan. He is a GOAT, the greatest of all time. But yeah, I, I don't agree with that list. And specifically the top five. Jabra, you want to go ahead and read off the top yeah, five Yeah, so the top five, starting at number five, is Will Chamberlain. Number four, Magic Johnson. Three is Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Two, LeBron. And number one, obviously, is Michael. Yeah, so one thing sticks out uh, right away, one, one name that's not on that top five list, and that's Kobe Bryant. Um, I just I don't see how you could have a rankings, a top five rankings in NBA history, not have Kobe Bryant on there, just what he did to the game, his impact on the game of basketball, five championships. Um, I just I don't understand how you don't have him in the top five. I mean, you have a guy like Wilt Chamberlain, who really none of us were alive when he played um and the game has just evolved so much over time. So I, I don't see how you put a guy like Wilt Chamberlain. And they had Kobe Bryant ranked 10. They had some they had guys like Oscar Robertson ranked over Kobe Bryant. So I, I just don't, I don't agree with that. So who is your top five? My top five would be Michael Jordan at one, like I mentioned. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar at two. Kobe Bryant at three. LeBron James at four. And Magic Johnson at five. You see, this is kind of a tricky thing for me. The NBA game has evolved year in, year out. To sit here and say, oh, this guy's undisputed, number one. This guy's undisputed. You know, it just doesn't make sense to me. Everybody has played in different eras of basketball. That's like that's like saying you can throw LeBron into the 90s and he'll dominate. You throw LeBron, uh, MJ in now, he'll dominate. It's all hearsay. We don't know. The, the bas- basketball has evolved so much in its time that you can't sit here and definitely put uh, anybody at one. But, I, I could I could understand what you're saying how how the game has changed over time, and I could understand that when it comes to like the two through five rankings. But Michael Jordan is just far and away above everyone else, and I'm just gonna list a few reasons why. He has the highest career PER in, in NBA history. He has six finals. He has six NBA finals, six MVPs, which is an NBA record. Um, Ten scoring titles, which is another NBA record. He was selected nine times to the first team All NBA defense, which is another NBA record. The most points per game in NBA Finals history, another NBA record. Most points per game in the playoffs, another NBA record. So, like, he's just when when I when I look at greatness and I and I try to rank these players, the number one factor is winning. Michael Jordan was the ultimate winner. And then I look at statistically, what did they do? Michael Jordan was the greatest scorer in NBA history. And not only does he have the most scoring titles. He's selected to the to the most first team All NBA defense in NBA history, so you can make an argument 
not only he's the greatest offensive player in NBA history, but he's also the greatest defensive player in NBA history. So that's why I just, you can't make an argument for anyone other than Michael Jordan to be in that number one spot. There's always, no matter what you say, there's always going to be an argument. There's just a couple of names on this list that I kind of felt were too high. It's the five and six guys. I know we're not talking about six, but Wilt and Russell, as much as you could say like, oh, they dominated during their time, but who was playing during their time? You can't really sit here and tell me there was any great players in their time. Wilt was facing a whole bunch of five, ten to six, one little little dudes. You know what I mean? It was there was nobody in the NBA at this time. So to put him at six to me is just it's outrageous in a way. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I mean, Will Chamberlain and Bill Russell are definitely legends, but to rank them in the top five, like I wouldn't even rank them in the top ten because it's just so hard to like place these guys among. These other players that have played recently and played today in the NBA. I mean, they played so long ago where, where, I mean, when Bill Russell was playing, there were seven teams in the league. Everyone wants to say, oh, he has 11 championships. There were seven teams in the NBA. So, I mean, it's just hard to rank those two guys specifically. But, again, like you have Oscar Robertson over Kobe Bryant. You don't even have Kobe Bryant in your top five. I just, I don't understand. Yeah, I think that there's a couple guys that you, me personally, I could push up into the top five. Guys, you know, that are close to it, closer than those guys that I just mentioned, Tim Duncan, Oscar Robinson, and Kobe. Those are three guys that I definitely would have higher on the list over those other two guys, even Shaq. But, uh, yeah, for me, it's, there's really no particular order just because, like, you look at the way the game is played now versus 10 years ago, versus 20 years ago. I mean, 10 years ago, Steph Curry wasn't didn't evolutionize the game like it is now. There's just a lot of differences that have happened year in and year out to make the argument even harder to show that this game is different than it was 10 years ago, 20 years ago. Like, just completely out of the walls, completely different. Like, they hardly shot threes in the 80s and 90s. Now, all they do is shoot threes. Yeah, Curry has completely changed the game of basketball. And I think it's very possible by the end of his career, not saying right now, but by the end of his career, he could be over Magic Johnson as the greatest point guard in NBA history. But I do want to hear, if you had to rank them, what would your top five be? Mine, if I had to go in order... I'm a biased Bulls fan, so I'm going to go Jordan 1. I do have LeBron 2. I'm going to go Kareem 3. I'm At 4, I'm probably going to go Kobe, and then I'm going to go Magic at 5. So we got the same five players, just in a different order. Billy? Yeah, so I'm kind of in the camp with uh, Jabra. See, I like hardcore evidence. I don't like to speculate. Um, I don't like hearsay. I don't like anecdotal evidence. And the thing is about these debates... You really can't test them. Um, there's no way of knowing who the true best player is because, like you said, they're in different eras. There's different rules. And especially today, I feel like the athletes now today are more freakish. Um, they're a lot stronger. They're a lot faster. The science, the medicine is a lot better. We have Cam Akers who tore his ACL or tore his Achilles in July, and then he was back within the same season. Um, that shows you that medicines have come a long way. Nutrition is better. Physical therapy is better, which also translates to the court. And it makes the players better. But also back in the 90s, you had, you know, the, the rules weren't as advantageous for the players. The fouls were a lot harsher. Or hand checking. A lot, hand checking. And the stuff, stuff that happened in the 90s, you can't get away with today, which also does make it harder also for on the player. So it's kind of trade-offs. And then you go back to the 60s when there was no three-point line and like Bill Russell and Wilt Chamberlain were like the overwhelming like, like freakish athletes above their competition. It's really not fair. Where now if they play today, there'd be you know, more comparable or formidable competition around them. So would they put up those numbers that they did back in the 60s? I mean, 
Probably not, but who knows? Another, it's, it's still, it's anecdotal evidence, it's speculation, it's hearsay. And, but if you want to go back to pure um, evidence, empirical evidence, you do an analysis of all the statistics and all the championships and um, whatever thing you want to um, put as part of the criteria for the GOAT, I think then if we want to be objective, all things aside, it has to be Kareem Abdul-Jabbar as the GOAT. Why not? The guy holds the has has the scoring title. He has the most points of all time. LeBron James, granted, might um, come back and also take that from him, but he's top three in steals. He's top three in rebounds. He's a six-time NBA champion. Top three in blocks, you mean? Or top three in blocks? Excuse me. Thank you. He's a six-time NBA champion. Um, yes, he did win Finals MVP only twice, but I think that's a subjective thing too. I think he it could have been stolen from him a couple times. Um, Iguodala was Finals MVP when LeBron was getting on thirty. Exactly. Iguodala was the was the MVP. Are you going to say that Iguodala is better than Steph Curry? Um, Six MVPs. So keep going forward. Uh, yeah, and then the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. He's the most winningest athlete I think of all time. The guy's been winning championships since high school. Wins the national championship. Gets drafted in 1969. Wins the NBA championship for the Milwaukee Bucks in 1971, and then they haven't won since since last year. Yeah, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, he's that dude. And if you want to come back to raw data, then I have to say that Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is the best of all time. But if you're going to say that Michael Jordan is, or if LeBron James is, I'm not going to shoot you in the foot. Um, it's That's just, I don't know. Like you, Everybody makes a valid case. But and it's at the end of the day, you really can't test it. So at the end of the day, is which camp are you a part of? Who do you like better? Whose style do you like better? And... You guys know that Barnes is a huge fanboy. He loves the Chicago Bulls, and we all love the Chicago Bulls. So, how is he gonna talk, how is he gonna dethrone Michael Jordan? And you know, and I'm not gonna shoot him in the foot for it because Michael Jordan is a great player, and if he wants to put him as one, you know, I'm not mad at him for it. So going off that, I would have Kareem as one, and just like Jabber said, we're biased Bulls fans. I'll put Michael Jordan as two, and you know, we have the evidence to back it up as well. So you know, no one's gonna shoot me in the foot for saying that. And yeah, but can you say he's the undisputed goat? I don't think so. And then you go on to third. Yes, we'll put LeBron James third. And then I don't know how they had Kobe Bryant as 10. I think that is disrespectful. Uh, Kobe Bryant is a legend. Mamba mentality changed. That was my favorite player watching growing up. Um, he really influenced how I live my life is to give it my all and everything I do. And he, I believe he should be the fourth best player. And beyond that, I mean, you could give it to anybody. You could say Magic. You could, 5A, 5C, 5D. Yeah, you put them. Yeah, my 5A, 5B, 5C, 5D. You know, they're, it's interchangeable. I really don't know. You could put whoever you want, and I wouldn't shoot you in the foot for it. Yeah, so oftentimes we hear the, the discussion, the debate, whether it's Michael Jordan or LeBron James, and whether it's LeBron James or Kobe Bryant at that two spot. But, but you know what gets me mad no, is... No one, no one mentions Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Yeah, I want to and, say that. that. That is so disres disrespectful to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. The guy is a legend. And he, to take him out of the GOAT discussion, I, I just don't understand it. If you want to go off evidence and raw data and you know his play style, his winning, and all the wins that he's had in his career, why wouldn't you not put him in the GOAT discussion? I don't understand. And he, he, he was an ultimate winner, and he won at every level, but I'm not, I'm not going to take in him winning in high school or college into why I have him at, at number two all time. But like you mentioned, six championships, six MVPs. He, he really did it all. Won Milwaukee Bucks, their first NBA Finals. Um, goes to LA, wins five more. So you definitely have to have him up there. 
the most unguardable shot in NBA history, the hook. And then on top of that, like if if you guys didn't know this, they made dunks illegal in the NBA. You couldn't dunk anymore when Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was playing because how dominant he was. So, um, yeah, I mean, you you I think you have to have Kareem Abdul-Jabbar at number two. Um, I think people just kind of forgot uh, who he was. But again, Kobe Bryant has to be in that top five, or it's not even a discussion. Like I said, everything, including this list, is a hundred percent subjective. There's guys in the seventies, like like AD. Do we really think he's a top seventy-five player of all time yet? The guy's hardly on the court. There's a lot of things that that maybe they should have waited on certain guys and not put them on the list and gave guys that have had full, long, healthy careers, you know, and shown it up and put it over the AD in like the top seventy-five. And, I just want to clear something up real quick. My bad. The NCAA was actually uh, banned dunks. It wasn't the NBA. It was the NCAA when Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was playing. So, like, think about it. In 25 years, you can put an AD on this list when you have the NBA Top 100. Because let's be real. In 25 years, we're going to have an NBA Top 100. Yeah. So let's talk about the Chicago Bulls currently right now. Uh, they just had the addition of Tristan Thompson. will come in, give minutes off the bench at the center position. Um, and then you got some guys coming back from injury hopefully soon with Patrick Williams, Lonzo Ball, and Alex Caruso. Um, we saw the NBA trade deadline. We talked a little bit about that on the last episode. Um, I don't know. What do you what do you think the ceiling is for the Chicago Bulls this year? I don't think my ceiling has changed much for the Chicago Bulls. I still see them as a second-round exit. I mean, yeah, you got Tristan Thompson, a little bit of help down low, but you had teams like New York, or not New York, Brooklyn and Philadelphia making moves that I believe made them better and uh, Brooklyn today just got Goran Dragic, which yeah, which is a very good signing, honestly. He's another guy who can come in and shoot. It's just too much, too many top-heavy teams in the Eastern Conference. The Eastern Conference went from terrible this whole time while the Bulls were were kind of mediocre to now that it's, it's a powerhouse. I mean, it's hard to get out of the East. There's four teams that you can argue are better than the Bulls right now in the Milwaukee Bucks, the Philadelphia 76ers, the Brooklyn Nets, and arguably the Miami Heat. So one of those teams has to get bounced in the first round also. So you got to remember that. So it's kind of scary the way the landscape is shifting in the East right now because there's no guarantee that the Bulls are going to make it out of the first round if they get one of those matchups. So if it's not Chicago, who do you, who do you see coming out the East? I'm going to stick with the Brooklyn Nets right now. Uh, I think they got better with Simmons. They have somebody who can actually on-ball and beat right now. Or not and beat, uh, um... Giannis right now, slow him down a little bit, and KD can stay fresh and play one of those other guys. So right now, they're my favorite. I had Milwaukee before the trade deadline, but now I'm shifting towards uh, Brooklyn. And are you still picking the Lakers out the West? Oh, God, no. Have we seen that mess? I always... I thought that maybe during the middle of the year, they could make it work. But man, I told you guys Russell Westbrook isn't it. And he's shown he has not been it for that team. And that team is not deep at all. They have no depth. All their guys are old. They're not going anywhere. Yeah, they might wanna, not even make. Wanna, they might even make the playoffs. I don't want to use Westbrook as a scapegoat. They, that team has a lot of problems. Westbrook is one, but he's not the he's not the only one. Still, they could have used that Westbrook money for DeRozan, for Caruso, and a couple other guys. Instead, they went with Westbrook, and he's shown that he can't mesh with this team. Yeah, I mean LeBron. LeBron called up Rob Plinka. He said, "I want Russ here," and this is where it's gotten you, Billy. What are your picks? Also, instead of the Lakers, I'm gonna have the Suns going to the. To the finals. Oh, you're going to Phoenix. I'm going to Phoenix. That team is hot right now. Okay. Also, uh, Paul is actually out six to eight weeks, but I think he'll be ready come playoff time. All right. Yeah, so 
that's the thing about the Suns. Uh, you know, I feel like Chris Paul is always getting injured at the most inopportune times. Well, it's a little more opportune now because it's before the playoffs. Yeah, that's that's a good point. And the the Bulls ceiling is very interesting. And um, AK made some interesting points um, at the trade deadline. He's saying we really have a small sample size with the a fully healthy teams, but. When we are healthy, you know, we're a very dominant team and uh, we're very effective and we still haven't had our full chemistry yet and that they're still learning each other. And the fact that they were that good before, you know, having full chemistry, imagine when they kind of, you know, mesh and put it all together. But it's like you said, Jabra, they don't have that uh, that physical dominant guy down low to, you know, put a body on Embiid or Giannis or somebody of that nature. And do I think they're the best team in the East, the Chicago Bulls? No, um, they're not the favorite. I would go with the Sixers or I want to say the Nets, but also I don't have any um, I don't have any faith in Ben Simmons is what I'm trying to say. I don't know what Ben Simmons we're going to get and if Kyrie Irving is even going to be there because we know he's never there at the most inopportune times as well. So going forward, Christian Thompson, he's a nice pickup. He's not bad, but I don't think that puts us over the top. But we saw last year the best team in the NBA doesn't always win the NBA Finals. If a couple things goes our way, you know we might be lucky and find ourselves in the NBA Finals. The problem is we need a lot of things to go our way. Do you are you scared that they might be a first round bounce if they get a bad matchup? So, who are, I don't know who they're going to be looking at in the first round. Who are we going to get? I don't think we'll get anybody in the first round that you know can threaten us to be eliminated unless the. Unless the Brooklyn Nets doesn't make the playoffs, and then they're in the play-in, and then they like we're the one seed, and what they get the eighth seed or something. Or the so yeah, then that you know that will give me a little bit of um, uneasy sleep. But it's like I said, maybe Simmons isn't Simmons, and if Kyrie Irving isn't there, which is probably likely, and with the and if New York doesn't lift the mandates, I think we could beat New York if they don't lift the mandates Brooklyn. or Brooklyn. But yeah, uh, totally healthy. You know, all systems go, and there's no what ifs and what and what nots. I don't have the Chicago Bulls winning the NBA Finals. I would probably have. I think it's going to be the Sixers that are going to the NBA Finals out of the East. That's if you get your skinny popcorn. That's if we get our skinny popcorn. But our skinny popcorn's on the way. We are making it right now. It's in the lab. Uh, skinny popcorn's working on their next project, and that is James Harden. Are you also picking the Lakers out the West? Are you sticking with that? You know, I have a little bit, you know, I'm a guy who's faithful. You know, I don't, I kind of, I'm kind of on the bandwagon, you know, it's kind of in my head, you know. AD's out, also out for, for a good amount of time, most likely. If you just kind of get like a raw, like the AD of the bubble, just like a random stretch. In opportune times. In opportune times. And then, you know, Russell Westbrook somehow figures it out and is able to mesh. And LeBron James has a high basketball IQ. He's very smart. They can go on the run. That's if they avoid the Phoenix Suns in the first round. But I think if they're hot at the right time and they get Golden State in that first round, I think it's going to be a series. It's not going to be a 4-0 or a 4-1. It would go to 6-7 games if they um, if Los Angeles finds themselves at the right time. But again, that's a lot of ifs. So if I had to put money on it, I would not put on the Los Angeles Lakers. I would have to go probably with you know the Phoenix Suns. Yeah, in regards to the Bulls, I don't see them being a first-round exit. Uh, I mean, it is that's why it's important for them to get that number one seed so they're not facing a team like Milwaukee or Brooklyn or 
or even my I think they could beat Miami. I think they're a better team than Miami, but you don't want to run into Milwaukee or Brooklyn or Philly in that first round. But I'm sticking with my picks earlier on in the year. I picked Brooklyn and Golden State. I'm sticking by that. I think they just have so much firepower. Um, with the addition of Ben Simmons, yeah, like you, I, I would have preferred, if I'm a Nets fan, I'd prefer to have James Harden there if everything's working out great. But obviously he wanted out, so now you bring in Ben Simmons. But I think even without Ben Simmons, they just have so much firepower with Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant. And then now they have a lot more depth coming off of that bench. You have the addition of Seth Curry, Goran Dragic, a bunch of names coming, a bunch of big names coming off that bench, and the Golden State Warriors. I mean, we haven't even seen them fully healthy yet. Klay Thompson missed most of the year early on, and then Draymond Green got injured as soon as Klay came back. So we haven't even seen the big three back together yet. So, and they're they're right up there in the Western Conference. So I think they're the team to beat. I think we're gonna have a Brooklyn Golden State KD Curry matchup in the finals, and I'm excited for it. I'm I'm hoping it's the Chicago Bulls, but it's gonna be tough. But I do think they can make a good run. They just need to get everyone back healthy and, and they have a chance against anybody. Well, thanks for tuning in to No Interruptions. That's all we have for you this week. I'm Bilal Darwish. I'm Bars. And I'm Jabra. Peace out.